Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company in our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in one, two, three. Now out one, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the Hanging Stranger by Philip K. Dick Read by Perry F. Bruns At five o'clock, Ed Loyce washed up, tossed on his hat and coat, got his car out, and headed across town toward his TV sales store. He was tired. His back and shoulders ached from digging dirt out of the basement and wheeling it into the backyard. But for a forty-year-old man, he had done okay. Janet could get a new vase with the money he had saved, and he liked the idea of repairing the foundations himself. It was getting dark. The setting sun cast long rays over the scurrying... Taking that from the setting sun. The setting sun cast long rays over the scurrying commuters, tired and grim-faced. Women loaded down with bundles and packages, 
Students swarming home from the university, mixing with clerks and businessmen and drab secretaries. He stopped his Packard for a red light and then started it up again. The store had been open without him. He'd arrived just in time to spell the help for dinner, go over the records of the day, maybe even close a couple of sales himself. He drove slowly past the small square of green in the center of the street, the town park. There were no parking spaces in front of Lois TV sales and service. He cursed under his breath and swung the car on a U-turn. Again, he passed the little square of green with its lonely drinking fountain and bench and single lamppost. From the lamppost, something was hanging. A shapeless dark bundle swinging a little with the wind, like a dummy of some sort. From the lamppost, something was hanging. A shapeless dark bundle swinging a little with the wind, like a dummy of some sort. Lois rolled down the window and peered out. What the hell was it? A display of some kind? Sometimes the Chamber of Commerce put up displays in the square. Again, he made a U-turn and brought his car around. He passed the park and concentrated on the dark bundle. It wasn't a dummy. And if it was a display, it was a strange kind. The hackles on his neck rose and he swallowed uneasily. Sweat slid out on his face and hands. It was a body. A human body. Look at it, Lois snapped. Come on out here. Don Ferguson came slowly out of the store, buttoning his pinstriped coat with dignity. This is a big deal, Ed. I can't just leave the guy standing there. See it? Ed pointed into the gathering gloom. The lamppost jutted up against the sky, the post and the bundle swinging from it. There it is. How the hell long has it been there? His voice rose excitedly. What's wrong with everybody? They just walk on past. Don Ferguson lit a cigarette slowly. Take it easy, old man. There must be a good reason or it wouldn't be there. A reason? What kind of a reason? Ferguson shrugged. Like the time the Traffic Safety Council put that wrecked Buick there. Some sort of civic thing. How would I know? Jack Potter from the shoe shop joined them. What's up, boys? There's a body hanging from the lamppost, Lois said. I'm going to call the cops. They must know about it, Potter said, or otherwise it wouldn't be there. I gotta get back in. Ferguson headed back into the store. Business before pleasure. Lois began to get hysterical. You see it? You see it hanging there? A man's body. A dead man. Sure, Ed. I saw it this afternoon when I went out for coffee. You mean it's been there all afternoon? Sure. What's the matter? Potter glanced at his watch. Have to run. See you later, Ed. Potter hurried off, joining the flow of people moving along the sidewalk, men and women passing by the park. A few glanced up curiously at the dark bundle and then went on. Nobody stopped. Nobody paid any attention. I'm going nuts, Lois whispered. He made his way to the curb and crossed out into traffic among the cars. Horns honked angrily at him. He gained the curb and stepped up onto the little square of green. The man had been middle-aged. His clothing was ripped and torn, a gray suit splashed and caked with dried mud. A stranger. Lois had never seen him before. Not a local man. 
His face was partly turned away, and in the evening wind he spun a little, turning gently, silently. His skin was gouged and cut. Red gashes, deep scratches of congealed blood. A pair of steel-rimmed glasses hung from one ear, dangling foolishly. His eyes bulged. His mouth was open, tongue thick and ugly blue. For heaven's sake, Loyce muttered, sickened. He pushed down his nausea and made his way back to the sidewalk. He was shaking all over with revulsion and fear. Why? Who was the man? Why was he hanging there? What did it mean, and why didn't anybody notice? He bumped into a small man hurrying along the sidewalk. Watch it, the man grated. Oh, it's you, Ed. Ed nodded dazedly. Hello, Jenkins. What's the matter? The stationary clerk caught Ed's arm. You look sick. The body, they're in the park. Sure, Ed. Jenkins led him into the alcove of Lois TV Sales and Service. Take it easy. Margaret Henderson from the jewelry store joined them. Something wrong? Ed's not feeling well. Lois yanked himself free. How can you stand there? Don't you see it? For God's sake, what's he talking about? Margaret asked nervously. The body! Lois screamed, struggling to get past them. Hands caught at him. He tore loose. Let me go! The police! Get the police! Ed? Better get a doctor! He must be sick. Or drunk. Lois fought his way through the people. He stumbled and half fell. Through a blur, he saw rows of faces, curious, concerned, anxious. Men and women halting to see what the disturbance was. He fought past them toward his store. He could see Ferguson inside, talking to a man, showing him an Emerson TV set. Pete Foley in the back at the service counter, setting up a new Philco. Lois shouted at them frantically. His voice was lost in the roar of traffic and the murmuring around him. Do something, he screamed. Don't just stand there. Do something. Something's wrong. Something's happened. Things are going on. The crowd melted respectfully for the two heavyset cops moving efficiently toward Lois. Name? The cop with the notebook murmured. Lois. He mopped his forehead wearily. Edward C. Lois, listen to me. Back there. Address, the cop demanded. The police car moved swiftly through traffic, shooting among the cars and buses. Lois sagged against the seat, exhausted and confused. He took a deep, shuddering breath. 1368 Hurst Road. That's here in Pikeville? That's right. Lois pulled himself up with a violent effort. Listen to me. Back there, in the square, hanging from the lamppost. Where were you today? The cop behind the wheel demanded. Where? Lois echoed. You weren't in your shop, were you? No. He shook his head. No, I was home, down in the basement. In the basement? Digging. A new foundation, getting out the dirt to pour a cement frame. Why? What has that to do with... Was anybody else down there with you? No. My wife was downtown. My kids were at school. Lois looked from one heavyset cop to the other. Hope flickered across his face. Wild hope. You mean because I was down there I missed the explanation? I didn't get in on it? Like everybody else? After a pause, the cop with the notebook said, That's right, you missed the explanation. Then it's official? The body it's supposed to be hanging there? 
It's supposed to be hanging there for everybody to see. Ed Loyce grinned weakly. Good Lord, I guess I sort of went off the deep end. I thought maybe something had happened. You know, something like the Ku Klux Klan, some kind of violence. Communists or fascists taking over. He wiped his face with his breast pocket handkerchief, his hand shaking. I'm glad to know it's on the level. It's on the level. The police car was getting near the Hall of Justice. The sun had set. The streets were gloomy and dark. The lights had not yet come on. I feel better, Lois said. I was pretty excited there for a minute. I guess I got all stirred up. Now that I understand, there's no need to take me in, is there? The two cops said nothing. I should be back at my store. The boys haven't had dinner. I'm all right now. No more trouble. Is there any need of... This won't take long, the cop behind the wheel interrupted. A short process. Only a few minutes. I hope it's short, Lois muttered. The car slowed down for a stoplight. I guess I sort of disturbed the peace. Funny getting excited like that, and Lois yanked the door open. He sprawled out into the street and rolled to his feet. Cars were moving all around him, gaining speed as the light changed. Lois leaped onto the curb and raced among the people, burying into the swarming crowds. Behind him, he heard sounds, shouts, people running. They weren't cops. He had realized that right away. He knew every cop in Pikeville. A man couldn't own a store, operate a business in a small town for 25 years without getting to know all the cops. They weren't cops, and there hadn't been any explanation. Potter, Ferguson, Jenkins, none of them knew why it was there. They didn't know, and they didn't care. That was the strange part. Boyce ducked into a hardware store. He raced toward the back, past the startled clerks and customers, into the shipping room and through the back door. He tripped over a garbage can and ran up a flight of concrete steps. He climbed over a fence and jumped down on the other side, gasping and panting. There was no sound behind him. He had got away. He was at the entrance of an alley, dark and strewn with boards and ruined boxes and tires. He could see the street at the far end. A streetlight wavered and came on. Men and women. Stores. Neon signs. Cars. And to his right, the police station. He was close. Terribly close. Past the loading platform of a grocery store rose the white concrete side of the Hall of Justice. Barred windows. The police antenna. A great concrete wall rising up in the darkness. A bad place for him to be near. He was too close. He had to keep moving, get farther away from them. Them? Lois moved cautiously down the alley. Beyond the police station was the city hall. The old-fashioned yellow structure of wood and gilded brass and broad cement steps. He could see the endless rows of offices, dark windows, the cedars and beds of flowers on each side of the entrance. And... Something else. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, 
Maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.